All right, so um, it's good to see everyone. I'm grateful that we were able to reconvene. <laughs> Amen. Good to see your faces. Amen. Good to see you soak. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go into the Word now, and we're uh, going back to John 17. I'm just going line by line through the prayer of Jesus Christ uh, that was audible to the disciples um, and recorded uh, by the Apostle John for our learning and encouragement. Amen? Um, so we stopped at the 11th verse. We're going to try to make it down to verse 17. So Luke 17, uh, 11 through 17, if you will. Amen. Yes, yes. The word of God reads, Jesus says, And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me, and I have guarded them. And not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction. King James says the son of perdition. That the scripture might be fulfilled. Verse 13, key verse. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Hmm. And I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, he repeats, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in, tr in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your word. May it bless us today and help us to do what you've called us to do. But my title today is Safe in the Keeping, the Safekeeping, rather, of our Lord. The Safekeeping of our Lord. Amen? Now, the last time I was in uh, John 17, some weeks ago, uh, left off at the 11th verse, uh, we learned that glorifying God in our relationships is actually displaying the character of God so that God can get the glory by us being unified. Amen? Uh, where you see love and harmony and unity, that is a clear indication that God is in charge. Amen? Amen? The church has to learn that no matter what level of ministry that we achieve, uh, if our relationships are terrible, then we tarnish the image that God intends to be displayed. Amen? I'm just reviewing. Jesus said uh, that men will know that we are his disciples by the love that we show one to another. Amen? So unity is incredibly important to God. Amen? Today, we will see the other side of unity, the same verse, because it has a multiple meaning, but the same verse uh, has, has a different side of unity. And God wants us to be unified, not only in our relationships, as I said the last time I was here, but 
also unified in our mission and our purpose. Amen? Uh, you cannot be one with God by disagreeing with God. How can two walk together except they agree? It's actually not a human-to-human -human relationship. It's really talking about God to his creation. You could be walking by yourself if you're not in agreement with God. Amen. Now, to guarantee that the church would be successful in carrying out our mission and what God wants us to do, Jesus prayed to the Father in John 17 that God the Father would keep us. Amen. Guard us. Amen. Watch over us. Amen. This, uh, in this passage, we see two things that we're going to learn that keep us safe. Two things that Jesus had in his mind that enabled us to align with God the Father, which is really causing us to be obedient to the Father. Amen? 1 Peter 1 and 5, keep your finger in John 17, but 1 Peter 1 and 5 says this, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the same time. Uh, at the last time. Through faith is really through their obedience to what we believe. We have the faith. We believe what we believe, but we carry out that belief in obedience. Amen? And in Jeremiah 7.23 says this, but this command I gave them, obey my voice, God says, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the way that I command you, that it may be well with you. Amen. So back to John 17. In this prayer, Jesus prays out loud on purpose because he's teaching. Amen. And he's teaching his disciples and he's teaching us now that we have the word of God written through the Holy Spirit given to John. This letter to John. Now we know that obedience is key for us carrying out our mission, obedience is the key for us being blessed. Amen? Obedience is the key to doing what God says and staying in alignment with God. Obedience is key. Amen? All right. Now, here we go. Help me hold this spirit. John 17, 11th verse again. Jesus says, I am no longer with you. Jesus is about to leave. I'm no longer in this world. Okay? Jesus is praying. He's about to go away. Disciples are nervous, trying to figure out what all, all this means. They've been hanging with him for three and a half years. And now Jesus is leaving. He's talking to his heavenly father. Jesus is saying, I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. The image of God, the truth that we must know, has been deposited into the disciples that Jesus was given. Jesus is leaving now, and that message is now residing in the 12, minus 
somebody that we'll talk about in a minute. Okay? All right. So Jesus is saying, I am coming to you, Father. I'm headed back to your presence where I will be glorified. Amen. But they are staying here to glorify me, which means reflect my image. Amen. Reflect my character. As you've seen Jesus, you've now seen the Father. They are actually going to repeat that and extend that. Amen. They're going to carry out the mission that you gave me to give them. Amen. Now, Holy Father, while they're doing all this, Jesus is praying and saying, keep them by your name, which really means keep them by your power. Amen. The power that you've also given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Okay, so he's leaving. The disciples are staying. They've got the message. They've got work to do. Amen. And Jesus is saying, Father, keep them so that they will be one even as we are one, that they may be unified in their purpose, not just unified together as in liking each other and getting along. Okay? That was last time. This time we're talking about unified in their purpose, that they may be one in what they are here to do. Put them all on the same page so they are focused on obeying your will, God. Amen. With the time that they have left on this planet, let it be about your purposes. Put everybody on the same page. I think Rick's getting it. He's saying that they may be one even as we are one. Jesus is saying to the Father, just like we are, Daddy. Amen? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are committed to the Father's plan. They are committed to extending this perfect relationship to everyone who was called by God. Remember I said some weeks ago that Jesus has been given authority to give and extend this perfect relationship to everyone that is called by God so that you and I who believe in him are now in a perfect relationship with God. Everything between me and God is cool. Amen? Amen. So, next verse, John 17, 12. And then Jesus says, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. So the first thing we need to see if we look in context between those two verses, Father, you keep them. I'm leaving. While I was here, I kept them. The first thing that should be very obvious to us is this. We should know right up front that the only way we are going to make it through our mission is if we are kept by divine power. Yeah, somebody's getting it. So right up front, just, just let's be simple here, okay? Let's not be rocket scientists. You ain't keeping you. <laughs> you ain't got it like that. <laughs> okay? Jesus kept them while he was there. He's asking that the Father would keep them when he leaves. Which, if you know your Bible, once you receive Christ and you believe the gospel, it's really the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of you 
which enables you to be kept by God because God don't trust you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right, so he's praying and he's teaching. Praying out loud. I want them to hear this. I want them to get this. Okay? And it's being recorded so you and I would get it. Amen? Amen. So then he says in verse 12, I guarded them, I kept them, I protected them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now I want to make this clear. Jesus is talking about Judas, the one who would betray him, okay? But this, let me tell you what Jesus is not saying, okay? He's not saying that Judas was left unprotected and left to himself so that sin could enter his life and he would be destroyed. That's not what he's saying. Nor is he saying that Satan was somehow stronger than Jesus and overpowered the will of Jesus in such a way that he can get past Jesus and get into Judas to where Judas would betray him. Okay? So, no, Jesus did not leave him hanging. Amen? And no, Jesus could not be overpowered. Amen? Both thoughts, if that's what we're thinking, they are incorrect. What Jesus is saying is Judas, like you and I, had every opportunity to be kept during Jesus' ministry on earth. But but Judas decided by himself that he wouldn't be kept. Uh, Therefore, he wasn't kept. Are you hearing me? Which resulted in him being lost and ultimately fulfilling the scripture... (laughs) that God already knew was going to happen in the first place. Amen? It was predicted long ago. And I'll show it to you real briefly. Psalm 41 and 9, just write it down. Psalm 41 and 9. The psalm records, in the Old Testament, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Then fast forward, John 13, 17. This is for those of you who think that the Bible is just written by men. No. The Holy Spirit's involved here. It says, if you know these things, John 13, uh, 13, 17, 18, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. Years and years apart. Not because Jesus left him hanging, but because Judas was not a puppet on a string. Amen? Judas shared the same protection offered by the presence of Jesus all during the time that he was with the disciples. Judas made a decision to betray Jesus, and by doing so, he removed himself from the very protection that Jesus was offering. Amen. And then he passed the point of no return, and thereby he fulfilled the scripture. Amen. But that raises a very interesting question. Why didn't Jesus 
why didn't Judas, rather, why didn't Judas want to be kept? What's the difference between Judas and the other disciples? What's the difference between Judas and me and you? Were the other disciples just better people? Were they just stellar disciples and Judas wasn't? No. To answer that question, we need to go back to John 17 and 3, and then we'll head back to the next verse. John 17 and 3, back up to where we were several weeks ago. Jesus said this, and I repeat, this is eternal life. Or as the King James Version said, this is life eternal. Not this is how you extend your life perpetually for several amounts of days or eternally or forever and ever and how you live forever. This is eternal life. Eternal life is not an extension of days. He says eternal life is this, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So as I said before, eternal life is really believing in the Son of God. Amen? It's not just extending your days. Amen? So the other disciples were different than Judas in one key fact. The other disciples were convinced of the essential truth that ushers you into eternal life. They believed that Jesus was the Son of God. And Judas did not. Therefore, he forfeited his protection. Amen. Disciple means follower. Amen. So here's the warning. For Why did John put this in here? He put this little part about the son of perdition or the son of destruction about Judas in this verse so that we can recognize that you can follow Jesus all around all, ta all town you want to. You can follow him around town all you want to. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're really a follower of Jesus. Just because I followed you through Jerusalem and per per Capernaum and all the rest of them places they went through does not necessarily mean that you're really a follower of Jesus. That was the essential difference. And what made them followers? The simple eternal life message that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Hang with me. Almost done. So, John 17, 13, next verse. What can we understand from that that causes us or causes anybody to want to be kept? Hmm? What's the difference? Well, verse 13 tells us. This is the key verse. Jesus says, okay, now I am coming to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy, my joy, oh, that's good, fulfilled in themselves. So what we see here, if we're going in context, if we're just reading the Bible, what we're seeing here is the thing that caused them to want to be kept is they had joy. The other disciples were right on the edge of receiving this joy. What are you saying, Pastor? The resurrection would have to take place first. They would have to understand, wait a minute. Okay, Jesus Christ came. Then he died. He's dying for me. Huh. 
raises himself, he's risen from the dead for me. Wait a minute. That means all the promises he's been talking about belong to me. He is received by the Father for me, which means I am getting in on this amazing deal of a lifetime that I can't turn my back on because it's so, too, almost too good to be true, but it is true. He's going to wipe out all my sin. Huh? He's going to completely expunge my record and clear it all out. Like I never did anything wrong. Like me and God, we've always been cool. We've always been all right. He's going to make everything between me and God okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. And I get in on that. And if you know my track record, you know I don't deserve that. If you knew my business, you would be like, oh, to Jamie, of all people? Wait a minute. So what I'm talking about, people, is sheer joy. Joy. What keeps you, what motivates you, what fuels you into the obedience that blesses your life is the joy of what you know is coming to you. Yeah. You get it? Judas was missing that. No truth, no joy. You hear it? I know that's true, Pastor. Well, let's, let's back it up. John 15, 11. John 15, 11. Here we go. Once again. Same pattern, different chapter, okay? Same Jesus. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. There it is again. Yes, your joy will overflow. So the idea is this, saints. Somebody's getting it. <laughs> The idea is that joy overflows into every, every area of my life, including my decisions. <laughs> so the first element that we see is the fuel for obedience huh? that brings protection, that causes me to want to be kept in the first place, is joy. Yeah. This is interesting because this kind of smacks in the face of all the self-righteous people we might have in the church. I don't know where they are. What has been made clear, according to D.A. Carson, is this. He says this, is that Jesus' concern is such a prayer. Uh, his prayer is not about the statistics of faithfulness. Okay? He's not, a, he's not just praying that you... Get everything right. That's not what he's saying. That you dot every I, cross every T. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't do this. I don't do that. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that it's not about faithfulness being preserved, but it's about his disciples, according to the scripture, his, that he wants his disciples to share in his joy. If you have joy, it gets into every part of your life. 
Why do I do, why, why are we going to do the will of God? Because we're happy about it. <laughs> huh? it's, oh, I better, I better, I better. No, no, no. I get to, I get to, I get to. See the difference? He's not saying, oh, that they get everything just like I No, he's saying, if they have my joy, that will keep them. All right. John 17, 14. Almost done. Second element, and I kind of gave it to you already, but I just want you to see it here. There's joy, and in verse 14 says this, John 17, 14. I have given them your word, okay, which is the gospel truth. Amen. Amen. The world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. The understanding that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to die for sins to restore our relationship with the Father is the gospel message. Some of us get so hung up on whether or not we know every scripture and every point of theology. That's not it. Okay? I'm not saying, you did not hear me say, because you know I study. You know I love scripture. I'm not saying you should not study scripture. What I'm saying is do not be intimidated by the amount of scripture you know or you do not know. That's not the point. You'll miss the point. You got plenty of Pharisees out there who know more scripture than don't even believe Jesus. The point is this. What he's saying is that their understanding of the simple gospel message that Jesus Christ is the son of God who came to deliver me from myself, deliver me from hell, I'm going to heaven just because I have a relationship. That is the simple gospel truth. He said, I have given them your word. Amen? Amen. And the world hates them because they are not of this world. The world hates them not because they are of this world. It's not about whether or not you, um, how do I want to say it, become some moral monster. Where, are you, you hear what I'm saying? Where, where, where it, comes, it becomes about the external things. That's not it. That's not what he's saying. He says, they're not of the world because I am not of the world. They have what? Believe the word. They have believed the gospel. Therefore, just like Jesus is getting ready to leave the world, the disciples are spiritually leaving the world, okay? The world doesn't care whether or not you drink, smoke, or decide to do it or don't do it. That's not it, okay? What they hate, I'm going to tell you what they hate when it comes down to the core of it, okay? What they hate is the fact that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, what they hate is the fact that Jesus came to save us from our sins because that proved that they need a Savior just like we do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's the core gospel message that the world really hates. The gospel says we need Jesus. Why? Because we have sinned against God. Are you hearing me? So it's really not the external religious things that causes the world to hate us. It's the internal truth that we believe that changes the external behaviors. Are you hearing me? So without the truth, 
All this other stuff that you've been trying to get together ain't going to get together. I, okay. What they don't like is that we are in a relationship, the greatest relationship of all time. And that joy comes from the truth that we know. That joy comes from the gospel that we have believed. That joy comes from the real simple understanding. I don't know why he blessed me. I don't know why he saved me. We were in the same car, doing the same dirt, going to the same place. You went one way, I went another way. I don't know what happened, but I got saved and ended up in the kingdom. And I don't know why you didn't, and I can't even say that I did it myself. It's not even, it's not because of my goodness. It's not because I was so wonderful. It's just because God decided to save me. I don't get it, but I'm grateful for it. Oh, come on, somebody. And now when you see me, you see these externals. You know, Jamie, do, he used to do this, and now he doesn't do that. It's not because I, got, I went to counseling. <laughs> I'm not saying counseling, but I'm just saying that's not the core reason. Because that stuff you can keep up for a while, but your flesh will start kicking in a minute. You're going to need some divine power to keep you. And that divine power is the truth. That divine power is the truth that produces joy. All right. So Jesus says, 15, almost done. I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Christ's prayer was that they might be kept from evil, as some translations say. And other translations say the evil one, which pretty much is saying the same thing. Keep me from the devil and keep me from acting just like him. <laughs> okay. But don't take him out the world. Don't, you know, don't save him. As I used to say, Dad, Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> me and Dad, we like Star Wars, uh, Star Trek. Uh, you don't get saved and you just, you know, all right, I'm out. That's not it. Jesus says, keep them here. They have work to do. They have an image to show. They have a character, a new nature, as it says in Peter, to display. Amen? So he says, no escape from the world. But allow them to persevere and endure. Because Divine power from the Father, which is the Holy Spirit, will keep them. Got it? God gets more glory over us having victory over our temptation than never having any temptation. Okay? Amen? Amen. He doesn't cause it. Amen? He doesn't do that. But he will allow us to go through some things where we have to depend on his power. Amen? So it is divine power from God that keeps us. It is the sovereignty of God that keeps us. But since we are in relationship with God and not robots of God, we can also make some choices. 
Amen? We can take these two elements that God has provided for us and choose to be kept by feeding on the truth. Amen? Which is the gospel, as we've learned. And by allowing that truth to produce the byproduct of joy in the believer. Truth and joy. So that we can endure the temptation that comes from, ultimately, the evil one. Now, this is nothing new. Jesus himself did it. And I'm going to show it to you. Jesus is God, but he left us an example. Amen? As perfect as he is, he's always teaching. He wants us to know. Okay? So Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Oh, thank you, Lord. All right. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. There's some stuff <laughs> that we just deal with. Amen. I got one that's always on my heel. I have to stay on top of it. Okay. Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Watch this. Verse 2. Key. Looking to Jesus. In other words, looking to Jesus as our example. The founder huh, and the perfecter of our faith, who for the what? Joy. Do you see it? That was set before him. He used the joy to what? Endure the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, if Jesus himself tapped into the power of the joy based on the truth of what he knew was coming, if he himself tapped into joy to deal with fear, depression, trials, temptation, yes, he dealt with all that. Amen. What makes you think that you can do this in your own power? without choosing the tools that God has provided. There's his sovereignty, and then there's our part. Use my tools. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Try living holy without joy. Some of us have tried. If you're like me, let's do, I'm being honest with you. We've tried, right? Try living holy without joy. Uh, I really want to watch basketball wives. But I guess I'll go on to the Bible study and learn all about the blessings of God and my inheritance and how rich I am in Jesus. Guess I'll just go ahead and learn about the promises. I really want to sleep around. But I guess I'll just live holy. <laughs> guess I'll go on home now. See you at church. <laughs> 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 
God wants me to live holy, and I really want to take this Jack Daniels all the way down to the bottom. But I guess I won't drink because it says do not be drunk with wine, for that is an excess in Ephesians 5.18. I, I guess I'll just go ahead and press my way on through the holiness because God wants me to. No joy. <laughs> just, I'm just going to be holy. <laughs> That's not it, saints. Somebody understands. Somebody, somebody over there is going, I get it, I get it, right? Huh? Verse 16. I'm going to get this done. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Christians are not of the world. Just as Christ is not of the world, we should remember this when we are tempted to engage in some worldly pastime or enter into worldly associations where the name of Jesus is not welcome. Amen. But to do that, saints, if we look at the context, the power and the fuel for that is not try harder. The power and the fuel for that, young people, is focusing on the truth. That's what Jesus did. That's how he endured the cross. He knew all power is about to be in my hands. I'm about to do for everybody that is called by God what no one else could do. These people will be set free and delivered, translated out of the kingdom of dark, transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of marvelous light. And that brought Jesus joy to see you and I in heaven. That's why he endured. Are you hearing me? Amen. So that's the problem with Judas. Okay? He had his eyes on the world and was not receiving the word. He didn't believe that Jesus was really the Son of God, the Messiah. He betrayed Jesus. Amen? Matthew 13 talks about the cares of this world choking out the seed. Huh? The seed is being thrown. The word of God is being sown, is being planted in good soil. But if we are too busy looking at the world, it chokes out the message of the truth to get where we cannot receive it. That's what happened. Amen? Amen. And last verse, sanctify them. Woo. In the truth, or as King James says, by the truth, your word is truth. Set them apart. And as we'll see next week, just give a little teaser, Set them apart for the mission, God, just like you set me apart for my mission. That's what Jesus is saying. Okay? But that's what keeps you. Sanctify them. Separate them from this world by what? The truth. By the gospel message. Your word, your, your word is the truth. Amen. So it's the word, just wrapping it up, that produces the joy that keeps you in alignment with God, causing your life to be blessed because you're obedient to God. 
No word, no joy, no joy, no consistency. Whoa. There you go. It's the joy that causes you, I, I just love him that much, I'm just going to do it. He, he loved me too much. I, 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 just, I just love him too much. You know, I just love him too much. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to question you, God. You say, you say what, this is what I got to do? Okay, praise the Lord. You, you owned me. You died for me. You gave me life. You used your son's blood to purchase me. All right. Wow. How do I respond to that? I lovingly respond to that. That brings me joy. I know that truth and that truth causes joy, and that joy causes me to be consistent. All right. In practical terms, one theologian said this, no one can be sanctified or set apart for the Lord's use without learning to think God's thoughts after him. Without learning to live in conformity with the word he has graciously given us. Amen? And he says, by contrast, is the other side. The heart of worldliness, of what makes the world the world, is the fundamental suppression or denial of the truth. Wow. Rejection of God's gracious word and his self-disclosure in Christ. So, what is he saying? In Romans 1.18, it says this. Can you give me? Uh, give me the uh, English version. Yes, English standard version. Yes. For the wrath of God, yes, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of the men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. You catch that? What are you saying, Pastor Jamie? I heard when I was a young kid from my mama and everybody else that was raising me, and she can testify to this, she taught me the word. And the word was real simple. For my age and what I was dealing with at the time, a young man. I'm 15. I'm looking around. Trying to get phone numbers. You know how it goes. Okay? We've all been there. I heard the word. Jamie, no fornication. I'm responsible for what I heard. What did I do with what I heard? I suppressed the truth. It's quiet in here now. <laughs> Is Transforming Love Christian Center? <laughs> I heard it and I suppressed it. Not, because, not pretending like I didn't know it. I just decided that that is truth I don't need to be dealing with right at this time. So I'm going to step on to suppress somebody. Somebody over here being honest. Suppressing the truth. I heard the truth. Didn't want to do it. Amen. Give me that in the same, give me that same uh, scripture in a different version. Uh, give me that in, uh, in uh, yeah, King James. Yeah, there you go. 
For the wrath of God is revealed against, uh, from heaven rather, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. How do you hold the truth in unrighteousness? Here's how you do it. You know the truth, but the truth becomes subject to your unrighteous behavior instead of your unrighteous behavior becoming subject to the truth. You hear the difference? I am subjecting God's word to me versus being under subjection of God's word for my life. Psalm 119 says this, the testimonies of the Lord are sure. That means God gave the word. There will be results from this word. You can count on this word. If you live by this word and do what I command you, you will be safe, kept. The results are sure. They are guaranteed. Your old folks used to say, you can take that to the bank. Okay? There's safety if you do what I say. The testimonies of the Lord are sure. You will be blessed if you do what I say. You will be cursed if you don't. When I tell you that little thing right there that I thought I could suppress has caused me more trouble. Is there anybody else in the house who want to be honest? I knew we had a whole church full of them. Okay. The bottom line is God said no and I said go. <laughs> right? And we, had, we dealt with the consequences of those things, did we not? Amen. Let's just be real. Thank God for his mercy, but I can say I did not obey. Therefore, I did not get the sure guarantee of his results that he promised me. She's like, this is raw. <laughs> All right. So, how do I want to end this? Okay. Matthew 16, 13. 20, talking about the truth that produces joy, that causes obedience, that causes you to be blessed, to be aligned in the will of God, amen, to do what he says. Matthew 16, 13 through 20. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, he said to them, but who do you say I am? And watch this. The knucklehead. The, the one that puts his foot in the mouth all the time. Simon Peter replied. He said, you are the Christ. The son of the living God. It is that revelation of who Jesus is that keeps us and causes Jesus to respond in this way. Watch this. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this truth to you, but my Father who was in heaven. What is he talking about? Not scripture memory of everything. What is he saying? 
just the acknowledgement that I know who you are, Jesus. You are the son of God. And what is the promise? He tells Peter, verse 18, I tell you, Peter, and on this rock, on what rock? What are you saying? On the revelation of who I am. Just the revelation of who I am. What's going to happen? I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What is he saying? He's saying those who are in relationship with me who know the simple truth, the devil can try whatever he wants to try, but he will not overcome, he will not conquer, he will not prevail against those who know who Jesus Christ is. And that truth causes power to keep you, and that truth brings joy to keep you consistent. And that's how you will be blessed in this world when you're dealing with this craziness all around you. You will have the truth that produces joy. I know who Jesus is, and that knowledge will keep me. It will keep me and make me want to be kept. I'm done.